static. Yeah. Oh well, okay. Yeah. All right. This th this right, is this man. is Fat Fish Live number twenty. Brad trying to get one of his friends on that actually yeah. had a real tough time last night. Joey you know. Sunny Love. He's uh, he's a uh, yeah. He's born in the uh, way back in the uh, Ozarks. Uh, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. We love you, Joe Joe Cop Kenny. Twenty year NYPD blue decorated cop. He was going to tell stories, but he doesn't know how to use his fucking computer. So we're fucked. All right, Joey. Keep trying, buddy. Keep trying. We're going to try go and log in again. Joe. Tell him to log in again. See if he can. Log in again. Him on. Yeah, yeah, log in again, Joe. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Talk to you. Bye. Bye. All right, buddy. Here we are. Fat fish number 20. Unbelievable. 20. 20, buddy. 20 shows. Oh, it's great. We're, we're great, gaining momentum. It's so much fun. How was your weekend? Great, great. You know, we uh, we're well. Again, I'm going to ask you about yours. You had some great pictures. I'll download for next week. You went to a reunion. My weekend is it's what 90 million Americans are going through. We're beating the heat. You know, it's it's like you said. Keep your lights down low. Stay inside. Uh, they even yeah. tell you on the news, Brad, if you go swimming. Yeah. Don't go in the water more than 20 minutes because the sun still beats down on you. You don't know it. You're frolicking in the pool. People are going to the hospital with sunstroke and dehydration. Be careful. You know, I, I, I'm not a public service announcement here, but well, stay hydrated. You, yeah, you got to put sunscreen on. And and I, I've never heard uh, a 60-year-old guy use the word frolic. But anyway, um, that's <laughs> You're a frolicking guy, man. I'm I a like frolicking that. guy. Feel good. I had a good weekend yesterday. You know, whenever you bring you Chinese good. food in, when you bring Chinese food in, I don't care what demographic you are, and the Chinese food is great, you judge it by, and I'm talking to an Epicurean delight over here in Brad Grubberg, I judge it by Whatever that the means. spare ribs, okay? Oh, the spare ribs are so good. Yeah. Why do the Jews go to Chinese restaurants on Sunday? I've always, I've always. It's wondered. not Jews. I, what are you talking about? It was everyone. No, no, you know, you know, you saw the I, signs, I, I, how, how many African Americans and Hispanics I saw? I didn't. I'm not you just saying. I'm just say, talking about Jews. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about lo a love of African. Well, I had it taken in. I, I don't like everybody. But I'm asking you. You're a Jew. I'm a Jew. Why on Sunday yeah. you put the family in the car and you go to your favorite Chinese restaurant? I didn't. We had um, taken in. Wherever I, the fuck you go, where where do you go? Where where do you? Uh, well, I, I'll give a plug here, but we uh, you know, we we have it delivered to the house, and it's called China Go Go, and I've never the mu oh. the mushu the mushu guy the everything the mugu guy pan the spare ribs the honey walnut chick watch Brad's gonna start sweating here the I'm honey walnut it. chicken look at the yeah. the kung pao shrimp and the kung pao steak oh my god the xiao mein they even make they make the best chicken wings. I'm gonna oh, give you a plug. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a plug. This is this is my restaurant that I work in called Chef's Tavern. Yeah. You'll be there in a couple of weeks, right? We are a seafood restaurant. Yeah. We have over 90 things on the menu. You wouldn't yeah. believe the accolades we get over <laughs> the chicken wings, the nachos, the Philly cheese sandwiches, the yeah. hamburgers, the Chef's Burger. We yeah. have what's called. I'm gonna put Brad Grumberg on tape. We have what's called the Mother Shucker. Okay, mm. and it's the biggest burger I've ever seen. It is like that. I don't think a hooker can oh, get wait a minute. on this. Before you talk about uh, the burger, I think we our guest is there. Look backstage. Check him out. Let's get him in. Let's get him in, baby. That's what she said. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> can you hear us now? Oh, uh, barely. Yeah, but it's better than it was. Oh my God! There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Joe <laughs> Kenny. They call him Joe Cop. What's up? This guy is a real character, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm so happy, so happy to have him on the show. Thanks for being on the show, Joe. Thanks, Brad. Hello. Hello, uh, Fish. This is Joe Cop. Joe, thank you. I, I I always say this to everyone. Thank you for your service, and I love it when uh, a metro officers who eat for half price in uniform at my restaurant that I work in, Chuck's Tavern. I had one guy say to me, "You're worth it. You did it because we're worth it." Correct. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Have you got a lot of free meals in your 20 <laughs> years as a decorated cow? Are we off the uh, the record? <laughs> yeah, of yes. course. This is off. Nah, no one listens to this show. I got some free meals. It's called on the arm. <laughs> <laughs> what you, whatever that means. 
Joe, how do it's we... It's free, Sonny. Joe. <laughs> Joe, Joe, how do we meet back in the day? What was it, 89, uh, 1989? It was either 88 or 89. I don't know the month. It was definitely cold. I went to the city with my uh, my wife at the time, Christine. She was good friends with this character, uh, Debbie Gunsberg, that I think you were dating or something. <laughs> and we went to the city to a birthday party. And Shadow. And talking. And uh, we hit it off. We stayed in touch. She sent me crazy postcards every year for Christmas with uh, you and the Tropicana girls, Don King, Ash and Kutcher, a whole bunch of stupid <laughs> ones. And we just kept in touch. And then one year you came into Brooklyn or New York, and I picked you up on the uh, the L train and uh, threw you in the back of the RMP, which is the Radio Motor Patrol car, NYPD. And we uh, gave you a little tour of the section of Brownsville, New York. East New York, and uh, after my shift, uh, we went to where your parents grew up, you said, in Queens. I took you to see their house, Right. and then we came here, and I live in Nassau, but the next town over is uh, Queens, Far Rockaway, and I showed you the beach, Far Rockaway, and Rockaway Beach, and then came home, had dinner, and then I think I took you back to the city. You were staying at a hotel. You were filming that movie with James Wood and Michael J. Fox. I don't remember the name of the movie. Oh yeah, no, I wasn't in that movie. I was in. I think it was. It was a Sandler film, wasn't it? Maybe no. It was. It was James Wood and oh, Michael J. Fox yeah. was shadowing him to be a police officer or something. Right, and right. Yeah. That was part. You know, had a little movie, part yeah. thing and different things, and we just kept in touch. You know. Yeah, that's his version, uh, Fish. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe Cop. I have. I, I know the real story. You were on patrol, and you got a call. And you raided a midget hooker establishment, and Brad was running the whole joint. You know, there I am. And then, Can and I then Brad said to you, so you you, you, didn't, you didn't you didn't book the guy, you didn't take him down to the station. Brad said to you, whatever Chinese food restaurant you want to eat in the city, I have comps. And you, your partner, said, "Great, we're in." Sure. <laughs> so my my version is: I walk in this party. Uh, my friend, uh, my ZBT, uh, University of Arizona brother Jerry Sachs, invited me uh, to New York. He was in travel. We stayed at the um, uh, World Trade Center apartments. And he says, we're going to this apartment. I want you to meet that girl that you're, you've been talking to. And I walk in, this big party. And then this face appears <laughs> next to me. He goes, hi, I'm Joe Kenny. Uh, I go, uh, who are you? He goes, you're an actor. I go, yeah, I'm an actor. He followed me around like a puppy dog for three fucking hours. I couldn't get rid of it. It was crazy. And uh, no, it's the best night of my life because I met this guy and we've had such a ride together so far. We have a lot more riding to do, not in the back of his patrol car, but in life. Um, so let me ask you, why uh, Why did you become a cop? Why did you want to, was your dad a cop or? Nobody in my family was ever law enforcement. I just always wanted to be a cop. Uh, growing up, I used to watch McLeod. I love McLeod. Columbo, Mannix. Adam 12, the rookies. Uh, wow. And then, you know, when I started to drive, I used to get pulled over a lot. You know, I used to get a Why? Why were you pulled over? Eating and maybe a little erratic, you know, a couple of beers in me or whatever. And uh -oh. Uh, uh oh. after a while, I said, if you can't beat them, might as well join them. <laughs> <laughs> and what was, I mean, when in the academy, was that tough for you? I mean, you're a good athlete, you know, climbing. Yeah, well, actually, I, I always wanted to play uh, baseball. A couple of friends from my high school actually made pro, and they always say at reunions I was just as good, if not better, than him. I just, once the Mets traded Tom Seaver for Dougie Flynn, I said, I'm not playing second base for the Mets. So I got I to come up with a plan B now. And I figured, like I said, a friend of mine was a cop right out of high school. Like a two, you had to be 20 back then, so like two years into Suffolk community, he became a cop. And I was like, Yeah, like I said, if you can't beat him, might as well join him. And 20 year pension, retirement, you know, so civil service job, it was good. Yeah, that's so. that's great, man. I, I tell you, it's it, it's really tough to be a cop, and uh, you did it for 20 years and you're decorated. And how did you know that 20 was going to be it? Why, why 20? Well, it's 20 year retirement, you do oh, 20 okay. and out, so. A lot of guys retire, go get another job, but you, you pretty much get the same pay every month in your pension that you were working. So it's not worth staying anymore, you know? I see. So, um, you know, 20 and out is the same. Now, I think it's 22 and a half, 23 you have to do minimum. Seven-year top pay. Back then it was three. But it wasn't like good money back then. 
but I love the job. And like I said, I always wanted to be a cop growing That's up. That's great, man. That's great. Two, two prong. I got a two prong for you. First one is the accent. Are you Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten <laughs> Island, or the city? I actually grew up in Brooklyn until we were about 13 years old. Then we moved out to Long Island. But when I was living in Vegas for a couple of years, everybody's like, oh, you're from New York. They got the accent. I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I, picked it, I picked it up, Rags. My mother's from Sheepshead Bay. Yeah, so, right. I'm from yeah. Brooklyn, City Line, East New York section of Brooklyn. Yeah, I know it, know it. And then this is the second prong. Look at this great pick of Joe Cop. <laughs> look at that. Oh, look at that guy. Who's that with you? Who's the, the guy on the right? Uh, the guy standing to your left, far left. Are these actors or what? The guy next to me was uh, my partner, Tom. And the guy next to him was Lieutenant Ackerson. And we got a call of a disturbance. Uh, at a like a social club or whatever, and we go in there, and who do we see? We see our lieutenant. He was at like a Christmas party, had a few drinks, <laughs> and he got a little loud or whatever. If you see the smirk on my face, is because I actually am hiding a drink behind my back in my right hand <laughs> when somebody snapped the picture. Hey, uh, hey, fish, don't look at. Wait, put that picture back up. Look at look. Joe looks like. Uh, it looks like Potsy Weber, and that's uh, Ralph Mouth. Jesus Christ. No, the guy in the middle is a good-looking kid. I thought what well, the, the no, kid in the middle was, my I thought the kid I'm in the middle was an actor, and the other guy was a mob boss. I thought, I thought that's Dennis Franz from NYPD. Dennis Franz. And that's, and that's Opie Taylor, and, yeah. that's, uh, and, and that's Potsy Weber. That's um, funny. Can you imagine, Fish, can you imagine you're, you're driving, you're having a good time with your girl, all of a sudden, these two assholes, they pull you over, and you're like, this is a fucking movie. These are guys the cops? Oh, they, they give these guys guns? Are you fucking crazy? That's great, man. That's a great uh, thing. He was, my, he was my partner for like two years, but we keep in touch. We had the best of times. Uh, we, we did a summer detail, actually, in the 100 precinct. Oh, what does that mean? 100 what? The 100 precinct. We, we worked the 101, Far Rock. But for the summer of 94, they sent us to the 100 precinct, and we did the midnight tour. And uh, it felt like uh, me and him went to sleepaway camp. Every night I was like looking forward to going to work. And uh, my wife was like, how come, you know, the job sucked back then. It was miserable. She's like, how come you're so happy and you can't get like, wait to get to work. And I'm like, oh, work is great. And just, <laughs> summer 94 was just like the best. The Rangers were in the cup. The Knicks were in the finals. And we just, we just had to lay in a land in the Rockaway beach. We did the midnight tour and uh, the, but the other, the other the, the shifted six to two. So we got on at midnight. So for the first hour, we used to go to like Lenny's Clam Bar, get a nice eight clam palm here, all just chill out and you know. And you then mean, the, you mean, <laughs> you mean, <laughs> yeah, checking the watch. That's a freebie, baby. I, I, hey, can I jump in on the sports thing for a second? I love this guy. He goes, he just talked about the Knicks, talked about the Rangers. So Joe Cop, I guarantee you, is a Giants fan and a Yankee fan. That's how it goes, right? No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm so not. you're you're happy about it. Are you a Jets fan? I'm jumping on Aaron Rodgers' bandwagon. No, no, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan from '72. Wow. Yep. Hey, honey, my <laughs> wife. My wife is from Youngstown, the biggest Steeler fan on the planet. I actually did. You see the movie? Um. Oh God, the the, the one with Diner, with uh. Mickey Rourke and Steve Gutenberg came out yeah. in 82. Oh, I've movie. heard of it. I don't like remember it all. Well, Steve Gutenberg yeah. character gave his wife a hundred question test about the Baltimore Colts of 1958. <laughs> and if she didn't get 70%, they weren't getting married. Oh. I married the same girl. She 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 gave me a test about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So and I, I love it. So wait, so your Knicks, Rangers, Steelers, and no, who's no, your no. Uh, we'll, start, we'll start at the top. First of all, the flag behind you is a main reason why I'm a Steeler fan, because I hate the Raiders. Whoa. Nice knowing you. <laughs> <laughs> Adios, baby. Oh, this this guy. Oh, God. Oh, oh no. Look what he's bringing Joe over. Pop, look at this. Huh? Look at this. Go. Oh, Marcus Allen? Marcus Allen. No, that's Lester Hayes. I can't Lester get in the picture. Oh, that's a seven out of two. Yeah, yeah he's seven. One of the I missed you seven. guys, man. So, yeah. there you thanks, go, kid. Thanks to him, yeah. we got the Immaculate... Uh, reception. That's right. He was a tough man, Lester Hayes, man. Oh man, he, he they put him on the best receiver all the time, right? Always, right? Well, you know thing. what? You know what happened on Sunday afternoons? Okay, know, fish, you've had enough. Okay, fish. <laughs> Sunday <laughs> afternoons, you know, back in the early seventies, you you got the Giants, but like you really, you, 
like back then the home team had to sell out to get the broadcast. My dad was a giant fan, but at four o'clock, you always used to get the West Coast games. And it was always the Raiders, the Chargers, or the Chiefs. And just the Raiders were just dirty and nasty and always winning. And then one year, this, this shitty Pittsburgh team went into Oakland and, and beat them. And I was like, oh, I like this team. They, you know, they ah. finally beat that shitty team I hate. And then uh, that season in the playoffs is when the Immaculate Reception happened. And since then, <laughs> I, I've been a Steeler fan. Big, big Rottlesberger fan, just Steelers. Uh, basketball, I, I, love, I love the Lakers from James like Lakers. Yes. Now I love the guy. Yeah, Worthy, you know, yes. Showtime, yes. Magic, Kareem, but Worthy was my guy. Hockey, Rangers, definitely Rangers. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell Brad, back in 1986-87, real quick on the sports thing, yeah, the, the Rangers had a guy, and my wife was in love. Every Remember Ronnie Duguay that married yeah, Carol Ronnie Duguay, yeah. oh, yeah. Ronnie Duguay was a gorgeous kid, the, and they had Greshner, and they, oh, what a team that was, you know, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, Brad, you got to go. I mean, we go to New York. Maybe Frank Yoli can get us a job or something. Do something with, the, with, with Johnny Cocktails. You got to go to a Ranger game in the Garden. I've, I've been to tons of hockey games here in L.A. I grew up in Los Angeles. But he, Joe Cop knows. You go to a game in the Garden, it's unreal. Yeah. yeah. I went last year to uh, – they were playing the Kraken. Uh, the night they, they, they got uh, – Yeah. yeah. Um, what's his name? Tosenko, uh, the guy from St. Louis. Right. Anyway, Tarasenko. Tarasenko. Yeah. Joe, did you get a haircut for the show? Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. I woke up. I got. I got bedhead. Did the comb over. That looks fantastic. That's the bedhead. Yeah, really good. Look, uh, look who's ta- Joe. Look who's talking about hair. As far hair. as baseball, uh, I'm a, I'm a big uh, Met fan. '86, but my friend played for the Yankees. '95, '96, all those years they won championships. We used to go to the games all the time. I can't believe you have friends, Joe. I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Joe, you know, we uh, we know one thing after, uh, you know, your uh, your service in, in New York City. Uh, you know, you did some great stuff. We're going to get into some other stuff later. But you moved to Las Vegas and you wanted to be a cop in Las Vegas, but you had to get a job as a security guy at the area. Uh, Aria, Aria, Aria. Aria Hotel. Tell tell that great story. Wait, wait till you hear this one. Uh, That's uh, great. I'm at the well, Elvis Theater at the Aria doing security, and uh, comes over the walkie-talkie, male black approaching your way, just if you could, you know, s- s- stop them and ask them some questions, see what's going on. What happened was people were taking pictures of Charles Oakley down at the pool, and he was a little intoxicated. He got mad. He broke a camera, and he's coming my way so i'm like hey, oh, and, and wait charles oakley tell the our audience he played for the new york yeah. knicks big guy chicago bulls he's like 6 10 280 whatever and uh <clears throat> he's coming my way so i'm like sir can you just slow down and, and don't touch me i'm like dude I, I don't know what happened at the pool i really don't give a shit but they're telling me you know there's some incident at the pool they just want to ask us some questions and he's flinging his arms and, and I'm like, I know you. And he goes, you don't fucking know me. I'm like, I'm from New York. You played for the Knicks. But I, I knew he wasn't Charles Barkley. But I couldn't think of Oakley. So I'm like, you're Charles whatever. So the next thing we know is he's swinging. I'm trying to grab him. And he's like, don't touch me. We get into this like festival in the casino. And I know there's no cameras by the elevator. And two or three other guys, they're Spanish. Three black and a Spanish guy. They come out of this door in the back of him. And when he turned around to look, I jumped up. And with my forearm, I Right across the neck. I was like, fuck you. Boom. He's like 6'10". He's a foot taller than me. Because he already spit in my eye. So I got a mark in my hand here. Uh-oh. He bit my hand. So I got one hand cuffed because he went down. I, when, he, when he turned around to look, like, who the hell's behind me? And I hit him. He buckled. And he was shaking. So I hit his legs and he went down. So I got one cuff on his left arm. And I'm trying to get his other arm. And he's like this. And he's biting me and shit. And I'm punching him in the face. So finally, when I get his arm and turn it around to put it in the handcuff, the other hand, I hear a little snap, but, you know, I didn't do it on purpose. So he goes, he's crying like a little baby in the cell. And then next thing he's in the hospital. And then the next morning, I go to the hospital to get drops from my eyes. He spit my eye and get a tetanus shot. The next day in the paper, he's on the front page of the Las Vegas Review saying the, the toy cops at Aria beat me up. His hand's in a cast. He's smiling in bed. And then, you know, we're going to go to trial. And he kept saying the, the white guy with glasses from New York 
And I'm like, dude, my name is Joe. And he, the white guy from New York with glasses beat me up, toy cop, rent the cop. I never told anybody I was a real cop in NYPD. You know, They should have known that, my supervisors, and they didn't when I got hired. But uh, So we're getting ready to go to trial the day before, get all prepped for months. And I'm watching a basketball game, and I see Oakley on the bench of the Toronto Raptors. I'm like, what the fuck is he doing in Toronto? We got caught tomorrow. I go to bed. That morning, Monday morning, 9 o'clock, I had a phone call. Uh, don't come to court today. We settled. And I was like, what do you mean we fucking settled? They're like, nah, we settled. He's in front of Michael Jordan. He's got, you know, Michael Jordan has a golf tournament, a lot of publicity. We don't need the publicity. They threw it under the rug. And I just got so fucking pissed. Every day I was just going to work and bad-mouthing him, bad-mouthing him. So do, I, you remember, do you remember when Charles Oakley got, got into it with James Dolan? Yeah, I'm going to get into that. I got phone calls like that night. My friend's like, Joe, you work in security at MSG now? I'm like, no, why? They're like, put on the Nick game. And he's getting carried away by three guys. They're like, <laughs> they get on Great player, there. though. Great, great, great basketball yeah. player. What oh, a phenomenal great. player. Hey, Joe. Oh, what I'm at a Dodger Philly game. Yeah, I'm going to ask you one question, Joe, before you uh, go on. What did the, the, the three Hispanic guys and the black guy do? Did, would they would they stand uh, stand and watch the whole? Well, thing? no, they they helped me. They were trying they, to like, uh, yeah. Let's give them right. some. Like I said, when we went to trial, he he just kept remembering the white guy from. Oh, uh, okay. yeah, four guys on the Big Oak. Okay, because right. there's three black and one Spanish, and meet a white guy from New York. Right, right. So, but I'm saying you. I'm the I'm the one guys. that broke, I'm the one that broke his arm. Right, but it took four guys to bring the oak tree down. I like that. Yeah, and drunk. <laughs> So I'm at I'm right. at a Dodger game. I think me, you, and Steve went to the Philly Dodger game that Wednesday. And Thursday they called me. It was an afternoon game. And they're like, hey, can you come in today? I'm like, no, it's my day off. They're like, ah, come in. I'm like, I can't. I'm in LA. I'm at a baseball game. They're like, all right, come in an hour early tomorrow. And I go, why? What's up? They're like, no, nah, just come in an hour early. So I knew something was up. So I, the, I'm getting ready to go to work. I threw all my shit in a big black duffel bag, you know, like hefty garbage bag. I go to work. I walk in the office. I sit down. I'm like, hey, what's up? They're like, you're fired. I go, you can't fucking fire me. They go, why not? I said, because I fucking quit. And I took the black bag out from under the table. And I dumped the whole fucking thing on the table. I go, your company sucks. You didn't have to give that motherfucker a dime. Oh, that's great. (laughs) The next day, they they called me up. And human resources said, we're going to let you resign. So you could work at another property like Bellagio or uh, yeah. I said, I wouldn't work for your fucking company for oh, a million dollars. I you fucking suck. You didn't have to give that guy a nickel. So they write me a, a, a nice check to get on a plane and go home, pack my shit and, <laughs> you know, get out of my lease. So you went back to New York. Um, well, yeah. Well, the two nights before that, all I kept hearing was seven out. Seven. I got like a hundred on every number at the crap table. Oh, you know? like this? Oh, seven out. Down a little seven out. Hired in. We get we get the bottle service at the bank at the Bellagio. The girls with the champagne and the sparklers and all that shit. So that money was before I even touched ground in New York. That money was fucking gone. Oh, no. <laughs> it, it was fun. I want to segue to something very, very important, Joe. You. Uh, you worked 9 11. You yes. worked 9 11, and I want you to talk about that what, you're, what you did, where you were, when it happened, and, uh, and then when you went down there, what uh, your job was. All right. Uh, does Fish have that picture of me down there, too? I don't. No. Wait, wait, oh, wait, I thought wait. I sent that to you, Britt. Yeah, I, I don't. No. The only picture I got is yeah. that one. We have the one in the dugout. Don't we have that one? I don't you have got, it. Oh, you got the one. Remember, you were making fun of the raincoat. Yeah, here's the problem. I'm gonna fire fish after the show. Anyway, uh so while uh, here it is, it's it's Sunday night, September 9th. I go I go to work for my midnight shift, and my sergeant goes, gives me a slip. He goes, You got transferred. I'm like, what are you talking about? I didn't, I didn't put in for a transfer. I'm working at two five now in East Harlem. He goes, There's a tra-. I goes, I go, Sod, stop fucking around. I, I didn't put in for a transfer. He goes, he goes, Joe, you got transferred. So he goes, go home, call them tomorrow, that command, Queen Central booking, and, you know, see what shift the squad they're going to put you in. And from there, I'm like, oh, shit. So I go home. So that Monday, I call up. And they're like, yeah, uh, since you work midnights, squad two, we're putting you in squad three. So you have the next two days off. Just come in Wednesday night for Thursday, and then we'll take it from there. So I'm like, all right. So Tuesday morning, like 830, back then they used to have, for pre-K or kindergarten, the teacher would come to your house 
just to see the living and the situation for the kids and this and that. So Ryan's teacher was at the, doing a home visit. Is this your, your child? Yeah, tell her. Yeah, right. Ryan, I got four kids too. that I know of. And then, uh, <laughs> so, uh, like, my mom calls and says, like, right now we got the TV, radio, everything's off because the teacher's at the house, you know, looking, going through the house, seeing his room and make sure he's got a nice bed and the living room. And my mom calls and said, oh, there was a plane crash. A, a plane hit the building. So I'm like, well, the lady's here right now. When she leaves in a little bit, you know, I'll turn on the news. So like half hour later, she leaves. And then uh, I see the news that the planes hit the building. And uh, I'm like, oh, shit. So I'm watching it for a while. And then uh, I go to Inwood Park. It's like five minutes from my house. And I saw the South Tower go down in 10 seconds. And uh, I said, I started getting really emotional because when I was 12 years old, like every third week we would go up to Yonkers and we'd be on the uh, West side highway and we'd come out from Bay Ridge through the battery tunnel. And I was always in the back seat. and further, further up, we got on the West side, you know, highway up to, you know, the West side of Manhattan and then Yonkers, the Bronx, you would see the buildings, but they were so tall. They were, they were still, you know, midgets, like, but you could see them from all that distance. And I remember like growing up, seeing those buildings being built like two or three years it took to build them you know that high and i saw them go down in 10 seconds and i was like holy shit so i said all right something i i gotta get to work so and like i said i'm in a new command so i i went to the bank i got some money and i said to chris i don't know when i'll see you again and this and that and hopefully you know works and my mom will come watch the kids and this and that so I get to Central Booking and I walk in and like nobody knows me because I just got transferred there, but it was never officially there to start a tour. So they're like, all right, get in the bus. We're all going down there. So I get down there and because nobody knew who I was in the command and I was like the rookie with 15 years on, they uh, they said, all right, a couple of guys get out here. And it was it was the morgue. <laughs> so that night, you know, everything's coming through the morgue. Body parts, burnt bodies, like really like a horror show, worse than a horror show. Wow. And then uh, we did 12-hour tours. And then the next morning, they sent me to the pit, to the, to the site, you know, digging, going through shit like that. And uh, that's when I took that picture in the raincoat that Brad said. And uh, I came, you know, I came home and my mom said, get out of those clothes. You smell like death. And, you know, and it wasn't like a movie scene. Wow. And then just from there, when I went back to my command, you know, the guys that had seniority and time on, they're like, ah, we ain't going to the, you know, the morgue. Because he said, the lieutenant's like, hey, do I got volunteers? So nobody's volunteering. And he's like, Kenny, why don't you just stay the other night? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, all right. So you. And then after that, a couple of other guys said, all right. I said, it ain't that bad. But it's bad, but it's like, it's not a bad shift. It was 12 hours, you know, on 6, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And uh, like I said, the bodies were coming through, left arms, right arms, thumbs. Front of but the, the amazing thing was one body that came through was like burnt to a crisp, but his uniform was like still intact. And what we realized was how we identified him was he was a chef at the world, the top of the world or whatever that restaurant was because he was wearing that kind of shirt, the fire return shirt, it didn't burn, but he burned, but that's how we were able to identify him. Oh. But like, you know, just, and then after like seven months, they were like, you might have uh post-traumatic stress disorder from working down here. So they sent me back to the the command uh, central book. And so if anybody got arrested in Queens, I either took your picture or I fingerprinted you. So a lot of times I'm shopping and doing shit and people are like, you look familiar. And I'm like, if you got arrested in Queens, <laughs> I processed you. Did you, did you get, did you have PTSD? May I ask? Did you? Did uh, they said you? I did. I, I mean, I don't, it doesn't give me nightmares and I don't, but, like trying, like I got through it, but like whenever I talk about like seeing those buildings being built and then seeing that one go down in 10 seconds, that's like, to me, it's like a bullshit. And, uh, and the funny thing is February 26th, I think it was in 93, I, I had a post down by the Staten Island Ferry and the building blew up like the garage. But back then nobody knew anything like what was going on, but then eventually they connected it. And those seven people that died that day were added to the 9-11 uh, memorial. That was like the beginning. I think they tried to blow up the garage. And then when they figured that didn't work from the bottom, we'll, we'll go from the top. 
Joe, I got to say, man, thank you for your service. I mean, this is unbelievable. You were, you were there. And somebody has to do stuff like that. And that's why, you know, you're you. I mean, I just cannot not imagine what you, you went through that day. Yeah, I wouldn't like the wish what I went through on my worst enemy, like what I saw and went through. It was, like I said, I like horror movies, but this this was worse. Oh, and yeah. this is real life. This is not a movie. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you, uh, well, thank you. Um, you, uh, you know, you, you're 20 years, you, you have all these buddies telling stories about this and that. Is there any great stories you can tell about, uh, you know, your fellow colleagues uh, that are just unbelievable? That, that you, you, uh, yeah, a little story off the cuff. I got, I got more stories than Mark Twain. You know that, Brad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Walt Disney's rolling in his grave. <laughs> you haven't met Joe Kenny. We get it late in the tour. We get a call like 7.30 of a DOA in an apartment. I worked housing, so everything was pretty much projects. DOA uh, is dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. So we get there. You know, the lady's dead. She's in the 90s, natural causes. So we call for a bus, which is an ambulance, just to come verify. So they come. Pretty much half the time, they would just take the body. But I don't know what the situation was that day. But maybe because the family was there and she lived with somebody. They made funeral arrangements. So we were waiting for the morgue to come pick up the body. So now it's like 10.30. And uh, back then in New York, there was a show called, uh, uh, what the hell was it called again? It was with Bill Mazer, Sports Night or something, before like ESPN and all. It was like highlights of the day's games, the football and all that stuff. And at the end, they'd ask him a trivia question. He always got it right. It was uh, Bill Mazer on uh, Channel 5 Fox back in New York. So I'm watching it. And I hear my partner and the, the niece, she was the niece, her aunt passed away. Like bullshitting, they're talking. So it was like November. So I, I think they're talking about Christmas. Oh, do you like giving or receiving? So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the scores. I'm worrying about what, you know, the, the Steelers and the snack. So the next day I know, like, they get up and they leave. And they go into the room where the dead body was because it was a twin bed. Like one bed, you know, twin beds with probably a nightstand in the middle. And uh, he takes off his gun belt and he goes, Joe, hold on to this for a few minutes. I'll be right back. So they go into the room where the uh, the 90-year-old lady was dead in the bed, and they go on the other bed, and uh, she gave him a blowjob. No way. Wait, wait. Grandma's, grandma's dead. Grandma's dead? <laughs> grandma's dead on the bed, and he's getting some kepi right there. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't make this shit up. Your partner... That's so this is his, her daughter. Was that her daughter? It was her niece. That was her. Oh, aunt. her niece. Okay. They're niece. talking about giving, receiving. I hear. Yeah, I like giving. He's like, yeah, I like receiving. And oh my god. <laughs> how do you keep? How do you? How do you? Oh well, I guess god. you can't stay focused, but you look over and you see grandma. <laughs> grandma. Well, I, I, earlier, earlier, I pulled the sheet up and covered up. You didn't say that. You know, grandma. She grandma was dead. She wasn't going. You know what the real story is, Joe? The real story is that the sheet comes off and then grandma comes alive and does it. <laughs> That's Brad's luck. Never dead. Metamorphosis sets in and she just like perks up. There was two there was two other relatives like in the like the kitchen area, but they were like nodding out falling asleep and shit. And oh. so, you know, it was like it was quick. He was in there like three or four. Oh, your minutes. partner, man. I want to meet that guy. Is that guy still on the force? That guy. <laughs> that's your up. yeah. Talk about the force. That's your wingman, Rumper. <laughs> Talk about blue balls. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Jesus. Oh my God! So listen, hey, they, they had some chemistry. Grandma would approve, right? Yeah. God bless yeah. Grandma. In heaven, she remembers her niece blowing uh, an NYPD blue cop. I love it. In uniform. In uniform. All right, right. Oh, on the he, he That's the main thing. Gun. He was in uniform. He did take off his gun belt. Thank God, he took off his gun belt because he used his other gun. Yeah. <laughs> The man was packing heat. He wasn't shooting blanks. <laughs> Joe, you are, I mean, by the way, he's also an incredible friend uh, to me, Fish, over the years. We've known each other so long. He has, He's an amazing father. He has four beautiful children. Uh, Junior, I call him, Joe Junior. Uh, Catherine, uh, she's the best. She just um, moved I, out to L.A., your neighborhood. I know. I saw her. I uh, had, lunch. had lunch. We had lunch. Yeah, we had a little. Uh, we had a little happy hour, and uh, 
trying to, I told her if she needs anything and then uh, Natalie and Ryan uh, just great kids. Uh, Joe is in their lives. He's just an amazing guy with a huge heart. And uh, I'll tell you, Joe, I, not, I not, so, to, not to brag, but Joe's in the Navy. He's a physical therapist. Please, please brag. Brag. Uh, Captain's a strategic strategist for Google. Wow. Doing yeah, very that's well. huge. Catherine. Uh, Ryan went, was a sharp shooter, sniper in the Marines for four years. And now he goes to Yale and he wants to be a psychiatrist to help soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, wow. And, uh, Natalie goes to uh, for her graduate degree at Toro College in Brooklyn for her master's in audiology and speech therapy. She works with the young kids that you know have a speech impediment and stuff like that. All these kids are gorgeous. I and know that. Thank God for to Stony uh, Stony Brook to be a dentist. So we got a dentist in the family now. Uh, who wait? Who's in? Oh, who's going to Natalie's boyfriend Stanley? Oh, Stanley, great! He's going to yeah. clean your clean your, uh clean those piano keys for free. Jesus. Oh. Christ. <laughs> Joe, this has been unbelievable. I really appreciate. It. By the way, Catherine and I had a great time. You know, I'm, you know, uh, you never know. I might be your uh, son-in-law one day. All right, all right, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, oh, great. I know, great. I, I will. I will finish with this. I would love to have this man on once a month and do a segment called Chop Cop because the guy is so great. I just see the comments I'm getting on my phone, the text. This guy's a natural comedian. I will end it with this because we have a natural rivalry. You see my flag. Yeah. You're, yeah, you are the black and gold of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's your blood. I will tell you this. There's a natural um, sense of appreciation between the two teams yes. and a lot of, a lot, a lot of respect. Because when I became a Raider fan, my dad, when I was younger, said, look at this guy on the sideline. He's got a quarters in one hand and smoking a cigarette. It was Kenny Staber. And I hear Steelers fan. Franco Harris said Staber could have played on our team. And I promise you. Half your team could have been Raiders. Yes. Are you kidding me? Mel Blunt, Rocky Blyer, Bradshaw. You guys were tough too, so don't kid yeah. yourself. But uh, I, I'm like uh, the Raiders from the like early '70s: LaMonica, Blanza, oh. Bolitnikov era. Great people, and they still. LaMonica I, got you know, God rest his soul, just passed away a couple years ago. Bolitnikov is always at the. He's right now at the facility working with you know the training camp started, right. and we're excited about that. Hey, uh, you're one of the best guests guests we've had on this show. Oh, he's great. Hey, by the way, Fish, I got to tell you something. Joe, you're uh, are you are you a single guy? You, you have a girlfriend? Are you single, ready to mingle? I mean, I'm single. Yes, I'm divorced. I was married 23 years. Really? Because you're a good catch, Joe. Brad, Brad knows. I always just want to play a bad guy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. If one oh. of my projects goes, he's gonna. Yeah, play yeah. You guy. should come back to Vegas. I got a couple of uh green door places you can go to with the handcuffs <laughs> and the leather. We're bringing Brad here in August for Tony Orlando. He's going to see Tony Orlando with all the altacockers, and oh. then he's going to go to the green door afterwards <laughs> and, and look like he's one of the guys in the WWE with all the leather. Come one join the, us, Joe. <laughs> one of the rooms at the Mirage is still a crime scene, right, Brad? <laughs> oh, God, yes. They closed that room off about 30 years ago. No one's allowed in it. Chop oh, top. <laughs> God bless you, Joe. Thank you so much. Good health, right. happiness, well, and good uh, meet you, Fish. Oh, we, pleasure! You are, you are, you're. If every guest we had was as vivacious and gregarious and fun as you, then he could fire me. <laughs> <laughs> Have a nice hand for Joe. I'm Kenny. glad I got this on, shit running up and running. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Have All a great right, day. Man. I will talk to you soon. And again, you're a very special guy, buddy. And I'm glad uh, you're in my thanks life. Thanks again. Love you, Brad. Take care, right. Fish. All right. And before you go, if you're ever in Vegas, look look me up. Hook me up. We'll hook up. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. I'm coming out in October. Yeah, yeah. we'll hook up. All, right. all drinks. My, 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 wife, my wife will cook for you. And you my wife will cook for you. And we'll, we'll, we'll try and find yeah, a lady no, no. while we're near the pool. You find a dead grandma. Tavern, and, and, and you go to Chuck's Tavern, Graveyard. Fish is there. Right. Everything is on the house. I like the dark me, right? Yeah. Well, you're gonna, you're gonna have seafood. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll we'll take care of that. You like seafood? Yeah, I love seafood. Well, there's a, we'll take we care. have a lot, so it's all good. Thank you, Joe. We'll see you all soon. Right, Thanks. Bye bye. All right, bye. Thank you. All right. Nice shirt. Anyway. Wow. Is that guy great. How great is he? Oh man. Oh, phenomenal. I mean, yeah, like I said, you have a guest like that, 
you can keep I, I would have kept him on and not even have us bullshit because he is look, you told me. You know, you bring out a character, PJ Marks was great, but when he showed his ass crack and there was hairs and pieces of toilet paper hanging out, that ended it right there. <laughs> this guy, I mean, I, I love that. I'm serious. I would love to have him on again because think of all the stories he has and and and, yeah. and, and did you hear how successful? Forget about the looks of his kids. One's going to, you know, one's an, an audiologist. One's, a, you know, working in the Marines and the Navy. He yeah. he found the time to do that tough job and become a great parent. Oh, amazing. And to this day, he's in all their lives. And uh, he's just, you know, they don't make him like that anymore. He really is a special guy. So uh, what about you? We talked before oh, Joe came you. on. I talked about the heat and this and that. Yeah. And so, Here, Brad, I'll have pictures of Brad went to a reunion in Long Beach. Long Beach is about a good 35, 40 minute drive with no trap, you know, from where Brad lives in Beverly Hills. It's a picture of Brad, and there's he's in the middle. And whenever you see a picture of Brad, Brad's always doing this. Yeah, he's pouring the other person. He's got he's in the middle. These guys got their arm around him. They look like mob bosses. And Brad looks like their accountant. Like the guy that was in the movie The Untouchables, that was the accountant, you know. It was yeah. it's a great picture. Talk about the reunion, and I have some yeah, news for um, you. I played basketball with uh, these two guys in junior high, Emerson Junior High School, and then we went on sure. to University High School. They were one year ahead of me, and uh, so you know there was there was varsity, JV, B team, and then the C team. So I started on the B team, and then they were JV, and then I moved up to JV. They went into varsity. Two of the m- most stand-up guys in the world. They're s- smart as hell. I mean, these guys were straight A's through junior high and high school. And they're like, they're, you know what they are? They're sweet nerds who are great athletes, you know, but handsome guys, great. And they're still friends today. They were best friends like in fifth grade. And this was uh, Doug Carrasso, the, the big guy on the right of me. He, uh, it was his 60th, uh, 60th uh, surprise birthday party that, that his wife Kim put, put together. And I surprised him because I haven't seen him since uh, high school. And uh, I have a video that I that I shot of him, uh, you know, being surprised at the party. Great times. We just picked up where we left off, talked about sports, the teachers. The, see, we, we loved our PE teachers. That was the big thing, you know. They were all real characters. And uh, it was really a nice – it was such a great time. It went by so fast. Right. Good. Well, you know, you are, if you go on – if you follow Brad on Instagram or – anything TikTok, facebook he's out there man he's, this guy is a social media yeah. he's always at a party and he's always pointing something. this is brad malibu brad's like you remember when you were younger you said why is how the fuck is michael kane in every movie the actor <laughs> michael kane brad's oh. in every picture you know i'm, I I'm, I'm, I'm in a bar the other morning and brad's in the background <laughs> I just got this. so let, let, let's go to business before you go on i want to publicly say happy 60th birthday to you big dc we love you and uh, keep being you, buddy. That's why I showed up to your party. 50 You're, more. Uh, really. DC, I don't know you, but I hope to meet you at 50 more birthdays. Big weekend at the box office. $155 million for the Barbie movie with um, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. And Oppenheimer did over $100 million. So I got, to, I got a meme to show how big Barbie is. We all know that Margot Robbie, how gorgeous she is, and the great scene in Wolf of Wall Street when we, you know, talking about when Jonah Hill's jerking off when she's walking into the into the the, the house from the south side. Well, this is the Vegas Barbie. Look at that. Oh wow! <laughs> that's what Brad's gonna see in two weeks. You know. Oh man, that's right. funny. That's a you like one. that? That's a real good one. I like that. Yeah. Okay, Brad, I want you to read this because this pertains to you. Speaking about you know, read that. My doctor told me I had to stop masturbating. I asked why. He said. So I can examine you. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll read the I'll read the next one. We're, we're gonna we get some memory. Um, <laughs> I didn't win the Mega Millions. Let me go see what the mesothelioma lawsuit is all up talking oh, about. Oh, that's terrible. how many times have we you watch these commercials about this? How about when you watch a commercial like that and it says if you worked and you have asbestos or mesothelioma? Well, how you can't even say it. And then it says in the even in the, the talking about it, the, the voiceover says, and you died from it, you're entitled to a lawsuit. Oh, right. Well, how the fuck can you collect money if you died from it? Yeah, yeah. You know? 
Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. A lot um, of a lot of stuff. Very like that. sad. You're a dog guy, right? I'm a dog oh, yeah, guy. You'll love this. Annie the love dog. Look at that. Isn't that a great oh. picture? He's got one. He's got a dog holding up this, the, 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 the big branch there. And the little dog's hold is oh, biting on it also. Doggy. Oh, his buddy. Oh, his little buddy. That's yeah. like that's like Skipper and Gilligan right there. Yeah. It's me and you. Sweet, yeah. Sweet. You get guess which one's a little or the two. That's so sweet. That's sweet. Great. <laughs> this is for Vegas people. When someone you know sees you gambling at a convenience store, you know, it's oh yeah. <laughs> We have yeah. we have uh, poker machines, seven of them in convenience stores, gas stations. Wow, they're everywhere. I mean, you supermarkets, you go shopping, and there's 15 machines in there, and they're packed. It's wow. insane. Oh, wow, that's crazy to live like that, gambling one, everywhere. Yeah. One of my favorite character actors is a guy I'm going to show you right now, and I'll let you think about it. I have my favorite film that he did. It's an indie film. Talk mm -hmm. about this guy. Uh, What's the movie Walken. that comes to mind when you see Christopher Walken? Scary, just plain scary. The guy is a great actor. He still has got his hair, which is great. But man, this guy can act. He really, oh. he's been in such great films. And I hear he's a pretty good guy. I have a buddy that knows him. And he says, Yeah, got a start in Deer Hunter, which got him an Academy Award nomination back oh, in 1976. Right. Yeah. But you've seen him in so many other movies. You just did the one with Pacino with their stand up guys. Who came out? He's got to be in his late seventies, and he's crazy. I'll do an imitation of the guy that I heard. Please don't, please don't. Okay, I won't. Right. But um, yeah, he was in a movie uh, years ago, about ten years ago, called Suicide Kings. Oh, with, wow. do you remember that movie? Great movie. Yeah. Oh, with Great uh, Johnny Galecki and Elliot, the guy that played uh, in um, oh God, E.T. the kid now Henry Thomas. Yeah, and yeah. and he played a mob boss, and the guy who steals the movie is Dennis Leary. He is so good and compelling in this, but he's he, he, you hear he's nuts. You hear that when you meet the guy, he's always got a famous line. Kevin Pollock said that we were working together, and the director comes out and says, I want to introduce you to Chris. And, you know, he always wears an ascot. He's dressed nice. <laughs> Walken walks up to him and extends his hand and says, Frankenstein was never scared of marsupials, and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Who uses the word marsupial, which is a kangaroo? In yeah. real life. And then Kevin Pollock goes, what the fuck? You know, this guy's nuts. But <laughs> have you ever, where I'm segueing, have you ever worked with an actor, and you can mention names and not, that was just, when, when the camera came on, they were phenomenal. But when the camera was off, they were batshit crazy, and you didn't know, you didn't, you know, there were a loose cannon, there was no filter. Um, David Caruso on NYPD Blue was absolutely a nut. It just, I mean, he was just so selfish. And really? In a bad way. Real prick. And I, you know, in the pilot that I did at 20th Century Fox, I was a waiter in the commissary. They found me in the commissary and they said, David Milch and Stephen Botchko says, we got a part for you in the NYPD Blue pilot. I go, oh, okay. All right. When you get off work, come on down and we'll get you set up. And the next day I did it. And I was the bartender in the pilot where Dennis Franz is at the bar, you know, getting all sauced up. And then Caruso is talking to him and saying, come on, man, you got to get off the sauce, man. It's going to kill you. And you're my partner and all this stuff. Well, Caruso had two pages of dialogue. Okay. I had like a couple lines as the bartender, you know, like Dennis Franz said, Hey, all right, hey, Mac, give me another shot. You know, that kind of thing. But Caruso was the main player there in this scene. Well, he just couldn't get his, his lines. He had two pages. And after like the third or fourth take, he picks up a stool and he throws it against the back wall. Amy Brenneman from Judging Amy. Sweet, great. Sweet, great actress. She is sitting in this, in, this, in this booth. It misses her head by this much, okay? The whole set goes quiet. Greg Hoblet, one of the great directors of, of, of the time and any time, comes out and he goes, what are you doing? David, you, you almost hit Amy Brenneman's head. And he's like, listen, I can't get this. He goes, we got cutaways. I got to get, get a cutaway to Dennis reacting to what you're saying and this and that. He goes, and then here's the great line. I'm a Shakespearean actor. I got to get my lines. Buddy, it's a fucking TV show. You almost killed somebody. Shut the fuck up. Let's get this. We'll cut it up and we'll get it. We finally got it. It took all day. 
was a, one of my first gigs I ever had, and I was scared shitless. But Dennis Franz looked at me when it happened, and he goes, "You stay in character. Fuck this guy. I got your back." I'm like, "Whoa, greatest guy, Dennis Franz." But yeah, David Caruso is just—he was just—it was all about him, and he was a great actor. But here's the thing: the bottom line, fish. It's like it's a it, acting is is a privilege, you know. You don't make you, you you don't do what he did. It, it's it, it's a family. It's a team. We all can work it out. You don't have to throw fucking chairs at people. You you just calm down. It was you know he was putting on an act. You know the star of the show, and I'm telling you. And then that season, I think people know he decided that he was a movie star. His agents and managers said he was a movie star, <laughs> so he left at the last. They did like I think they did 22 episodes. The last episode in the in the precinct, he literally walks out of the precinct and in costume, he got in his car and drove away. Didn't say bye to anybody. To this, I've heard day. horrible things about oh, no. him. My mom worked then in the business. Then, then he got Miami CSI Miami. I mean, it was like Shelley Long and all these people who leave a hit show. He was so lucky, but he's a jerk off. I, I don't. I, I'll tell you something. I mean, I think he's made apologies to people, but still. You know, I I, I I go to the one. They always say the people with the least amount of talent are just the, the, the biggest are the ones that are the biggest jerk offs. And I heard De Niro say with Pacino, they were on David Letterman one time, and they said, "You and, and they go, just be nice. You're so privileged to have this opportunity." I know SAG is on strike right now, but even when SAG is going and after is going, and you're working, I think only twenty five percent of your union works. Is that a correct? Yeah. So be, it's a right. privilege. It's an honor. Right. You're doing something. You're entertaining. Why be a jerk off? You know, why be an asshole? I, I totally agree with what you're saying. It's such a privilege and an honor to be an actor and to be a working actor. And a lot of my colleagues, they don't work, but they're out there striking. And it, it's something we have to do. We go the distance. Like I say, these monsters, these greedy slobs who run these studios and these networks and stuff. They don't understand. It's the it's not the Matt Damon's and 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 Ben Affleck's and all those guys who are great and they make a lot of money. It's rank and file like me. It's us they're fighting for that we're fighting for, and we're gonna and I'm telling you this is gonna last a while because these guys we have deep pockets. We don't care. We got shows in the can. Well, you know what, buddy? Karma is real. Like Ron Perlman, my hero, said uh, on a post, "Karma is real," and I don't. Like I said before, I don't wish anything bad health-wise or, 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 or I, ju I just know one thing. What you put out in life comes back to you. And these guys never came to the table with a fair offer for the actors and the writers. If it's not for the writers and the word on the page and the performance of an actor, they got nothing. They got shit, fish, right? Think about mm -hmm. it. We yeah. talked about it on, on the last podcast. It's just trying to Here's the problem. It's trying to get sympathy from the public. And, you know, 1% of, you know, that actors make money when they work. We know how this affects everybody. But when the public sees content, when they're watching Netflix and Amazon, and more people stream now, than I believe, than watch regular TV. I, I like the stream because I like real life. I don't like watching regular TV. And I piss you off by saying that. Because I think when you have a character on regular TV, and they don't use the word fuck or shit. You're, you're take that's how that's the way people talk. And right. when you watch the show, yeah. you know, and I want to talk to you about it. When show. you watch, when you watch All in the Family, you you Archie Bunker was the kind of guy that cursed, you know. Yeah. Oh, but he did that time. He he the the broadcast that. standards yeah. of regular TV and what you can show and what you can't. That being said, we got to bring back the way people live their life and they speak to each other. This PC has got to go especially in comedies. But I was watching a show last night and I got to talk to you about it. It's a show called The Prank Panel. Okay. Johnny Knoxville. I swear to God, it's like candid camera, totally in video. Love that. It was one of the worst shows I have ever seen in my life. I mean, I can't believe Johnny Knoxville accepts a check for this show. He's terrible. The panel's terrible. The uh, the people they bring in to set them up, you know, they set up people to get back at them. That's what it is. They prank them in some situation. And it's so stupid. I mean, I mean, you and I could write for this show and come up with better bits. 
Oh, I love Cameron Cam Cameron uh, Candid Camera with Alan Funk was oh, breaking was just was absolutely Alan way out of his time. Did you like I like Punked. Ashton Kutcher, Punk was great. Then oh, Punk was great. Uh, yeah, so you're, so that there, it's in that genre. Oh, yeah, the show yeah. stinks, right? You can see. You, listen, it's all about rebooting old shit, right? I mean, I can't believe ABC, Bob Iger, see Karma, came up with this show. It's, I mean, it is like, I'd rather watch Paint Dry. Oh, really bad, man. But there's so many bad things on TV now. And, you know, there's so listen, that's the thing. There's there's so much streaming network, uh, you know, uh, just I think I think there's just too much. That's the problem that that's why I want to get sympathy for the strike is that here's a problem. You have your nights and you want to watch TV. If there's if, if Amazon, Netflix and Hulu claim they have over 60 things in the can. And then the worst thing could ever happen for the strike is I hate to say it, you're not into it as much as I am, but I know for my business, Saturday, Sunday, Mondays, and Thursdays are dominated by football starting in September, you know? So that's going to take away, this is where I feel, you know, I talked to one of my very best friends, Craig Persky, shout out to him. I grew up with this kid. He's a, uh, a finance guy, production finance guy for the studios. And he said, this could last to the end of the year because they have the leverage. That's true. Or in the 2024, they don't care. But you know, you know what I say? This is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say it on Fat Fish. Go right for the jugular. Everybody just drop your subscriptions. Game over. If the public drops the uh, subscriptions, these fucking assholes, Bob Iger, Zavzloff, all these guys will run to the table. Okay. How do you get that to happen? Give me a solution uh, to that. Because the public, well, this is, we, we talk about the strike every week, and this is good dialogue between the two of us because you're a working actor has been in 120 fucking shows, different shows, right? I'm trying to act my, I'm trying to act like I care about working with you right now. So maybe <laughs> I'm doing a decent job on a serious level. How do you get that to happen? If you can get that, if that's the, and when I walked the, when I was at the writers, uh, was goddamn, it was uh, Friday, you know, we could go last Friday. Um, that yeah, that was our main, you, hit that. The nail, you hit the nail on the head. That was our main concern. How do we get people to drop the subscriptions? It's going to be tough, Brad. I'm just giving you devil's advocate. I'm telling you something. When they see people moving out, when they see people putting their 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 uh, their parents in homes. Like being evicted, losing their cars, losing their life, uh, some of them becoming homeless. And you put that on network TV, you put that on, uh, you show post. That, that's you what you get the real person, not the billionaires. It's the, it's the person that goes paycheck to paycheck that we have to gain their sympathy. And they're just going to drop the nine dollars, the twenty. Okay, let me let me ask you. We got over. two minutes. Hang on, we got two minutes and four, 12 seconds. Take it up with this. Does does the you guys the guy's name is Bob Iger? Do the guys that are the billionaires really give a shit about the people no. that are putting their parents in homes? No. How do we make them give a shit? That's the problem. Well, it's it's that's a, that's there's, a, that's more, a there's there's more of us, the people that live paycheck to paycheck, than these assholes. That's right. it. We come together, and then they're like, they they just say, look look how they're treating the actors and the writers, who create all this wonderful fucking content. Ugh. And look, they you know, you, you can't you can't say that anymore, Descript, because you know I'm watching something on Hulu right now. To say it's called The Bear with Jeremy Allen White, and Great it's show. Yeah. when you, I'll say it again. I said it every week. When you entertain a person like me or anybody, my wife, and you watch the laughter of my wife in certain scenes and the crying, it's what you need. We need that as humans. We need you. We need that fat fucker right there. We need you to make us laugh because life is stressful. Life, what did Lennon say? Life gets in the way of your plans. And you, your escape is watching Brad fall through a roof on Curb Your <laughs> Enthusiasm. And Larry David turned to him and say, take the rest of the week off. I don't think I laugh. I if I was eating some, I'd be choking to death. I was laughing so hard. Was, we was, need that. Yeah. So no, I, this I is what they have to figure out. We need I that. I need that. You. We need we need the laugh. And and and, and I want to I want to leave with this. Think about seconds. if it wasn't for the actor and the writer, okay, and the director, but they settled creating this wonderful stuff to make you laugh, to make you cry. There would be no TV. There'd be no entertainment. Zaslav. Fucking Iger, they don't write, they don't act. 
They do nothing. Okay. We only have 20 seconds to go, but I want to ask you something. I'm I'm going to leave it this so we go back to it. AI really concerns me. And we'll talk about writing scripts through AI. And this is where the writers get fucked also. Let's leave this for next week. Get us out of here. All right. Number 20 in the books. Thank you, Joe Cop. We love you. The stories are wonderful. God bless you. And you know what, Fish? 20's in the book. I'll see you next week on Fat Fish. Love you, buddy. Fat Fish, number 20, like you said. It's it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's getting better and better. Yeah. I just wish you'd you'd leave the show.